Hello, freaks, and welcome to Radical Research. This is episode 98. Right off the bat, I want to give thanks to Benjamin Adler for another donation. We don't generally disclose amounts that people give, but take Rush's fourth album, which was his first donation a while back, and then add one for a clever Coheed and Cambria reference, and then you kind of get a guess of his generosity. Thank you very much, Benjamin. Uh, Thank you, Ben. Yeah, long time and loyal supporter. We appreciate him very much. Uh, and also uh, another donation just came in recently from a new listener, Roman Chichian. I hope I'm saying that name correctly. He gave us a, a donation despite the fact that Hunter calls skepticism boring. He he thought we would love skepticism just based on his knowledge of, of us and the podcast so far as a new listener. Uh, but despite that, Roman is such a good guy. He, he, dis, he donated money anyway. So Having a disagreement with his new favorite podcast was was not an issue, and um, so so for those of you out there on the fence about us, you know you can go ahead and, and you know chuck us five or ten bucks uh, to keep keep this thing rolling. <laughs> uh, you can donate. Uh, and I'd be happy to uh, to personally call all of your favorite bands boring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we 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 got Hunter waiting in the wings. <laughs> Our PayPal ID is the same as our contact email, but the ID itself for donations is radicalresearchpodcast at gmail.com. You can always buy books and shirts on our site as well, radicalresearch.org. Also on our site, we recently added a blog. We hadn't added a blog feature in a while, but this one's very special. What has to be probably the most interesting and in-depth interview with Paul Mosvidal from Cynic that I've ever read. And I've read quite a few and I've interviewed him quite a few times and I know the guy quite well. It's incredible. This was done by Forrest Pitts, AKA Fallow Heart. And he's a, he's a dear friend of the podcast and a friend of ours and um, somebody we haven't met in person, but certainly we feel like, like we kind of know them through our various parallels in the love of music. Thanks a lot, Forrest, for giving us this piece exclusively for Radical Research, and you can indulge in that on our site, RadicalResearch.org, on the blog section. Now to the subject of the podcast. Hello, Hunter. Hope you're uh, ready for this, because I, as I warned you, you're just going to have to follow my lead here. <laughs> it's not yeah, that you don't. Is, yeah. It's not that you don't know this band. It's just that um, you actually had more familiarity with them than I did until I caught the bug and got the obsession late last year. A quick rundown. I had knowledge of the Meads of Asphodel, the trio under discussion tonight. They come from the Hertfordshire area of England. And I knew about them. I remember getting Supernal Records uh, promos back in the day. I gave them listens. Nothing clicked. They always seemed a bit garagey and just I just I just wasn't feeling it. Although I remember at the time of their first album, Excommunication of Christ in 2001, there was a really big buzz on them. Same thing with the second album, Exhuming the Grave of Yeshua in, um, I guess it was, was it 2002, 2003? Yeah. And um, I just, just kind of lost track of them and just didn't think I liked them. And then at some point last year, the light bulb went on and I'll tell you why. I have this compilation called Britannia in Furnace and it's a double CD comp. I got it sometime in the early 2000s, I guess. And it runs from everything from like Black Widow and Black Sabbath to Old Forest, you know, these newer British black metal bands to everything in between, Sabbath from the UK, all kinds of stuff, uh, covers all the eras. And Meads is on that. 
And there's a song on there called Christ Descent into Hell. And every now and then I'll break out Britannia Infernus because there are several tracks throughout that two CD comp that I'll, that, that just make me want to keep it. So I do. And when Meads came on, I didn't skip it. I listened to Christ Descent into Hell. And I don't know, it was like the first time I'd heard it, but I just went, I must know more now. contacting you the next day hunter turns out you had familiarity with uh their third album damascus steel and their fifth album sandra commando you were like well versed in these albums i'm like you son of a bitch this is uh <laughs> this is another one you're you haven't pushed me toward but it, it, that's okay because i was not ready and certainly i was now uh because in three or four short months i got all six of the full lengths uh some splits some various vinyl releases <laughs> just it's you know i still have another one on the way what, it, what you do it it's what i do i probably say I, I probably do it less and less these days and certainly i'm not as much of a completist with bands as i used to be but this band just seemed to be something i needed to know absolutely everything about and i love i love their aesthetic i love everything about them so just having the physical copies became very important so uh my music budget probably spent like 75% of that the last six months on, on Meads material. To a lesser degree, you also knew about 2019's Running Out of Time Doing Nothing, their so far latest album. Anyway, that's my background with this, and this is why I'm doing this episode now. 
and pulling you along with me because I, I know that you don't know the other three albums, but uh, you have enough familiarity with them and, and certainly an appreciation of what they're all about. Uh, yeah. And they are a trio. They center around vocalist Metatron, who's of course lyricist. They've had a, two or three different drummers. And the original trio consisted of a guy named, well, he went by the name Jaldabaoth, Jaldabaoth, Jaldaboth. I have no idea how to say that. His real name is actually James Fogarty. And he is the guy that heads a Kite, a Kite. I don't know how to say that. Mm -hmm. uh, but a well-known, kind of notoriously, kind of strange uh, English one-man band. Uh, he's also an Old Forest, who are a long-running British black metal band. He also has this interesting distinction of having headed in the woods or been a um, uh, traitor uh, to us by being on the in the woods albums that were released in 2016 and 2018 which we don't really care for we i think we've said that before in this podcast uh as huge in the woods fans just not a fan of the uh, revived version of the band so he's got an interesting resume he was only in the band for their first several demos and then the first album he leaves and then a guy named jd tate comes in who i feel like other than metatron is the absolute genius of this band so it's these two guys with various drummers that have gone forward and become Meads of asphodel so basically this podcast will be uh i had to limit it to 10 things because there's probably about 24 things i love about Meads of asphodel at this point and i'll probably discover a few more because i'm finding that they're sort of like that as well but these are 10 things about Meads of asphodel i love and i just asked hunter to come along with me and humor me but i think it'll be fun for everybody I want to just feature a snippet from their second album for no real reason. It's not a point I'm making other than what I noticed in putting this episode together was that the um, snippets will be darting back and forth between lots of different styles and the different things that they do. And they're not really cohesive. So I, I don't know how good of a sense people will get of this band, even from this episode. I'm certainly hoping they do. But we're going to listen to a healer made God from Exhuming the Grave of Yeshua. This will give us just kind of a good sort of foundation of their sound. So this is kind of the core Meads of Asphodel thing before we leap off into the cosmos.
Jeff said, given the range of what we are going to play tonight and for a band that covers so much ground, it will be hard to get a fully coherent sense of uh, Mead's music. But I want to loop back to a conversation that you and I had um, not too long ago about Mead's. We talked about them being one of the most psychotically English bands um, that we know of. Um, and they kind of have this fringe lunatic style that is descended from, you know, like uh, Martin Walkier, Dave Brockie. Um, hold on. Did I just say Dave Brockie? Yeah, that, you're, you're mixing up the Guar guy with the Hawkwind guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep that in. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> I know you know who Dave. Obviously is. not. But yeah, not talking about uh, Hawkwind. I mean, I we're talking about Hawkwind, right? Of um, and, and I think that that is one thing that you will sort of hear tonight. I, one of the things that I I hope that we're able to communicate through this episode. Yeah, well, you know, you and I tend to be a lot alike, and that was one of my points of ten. Uh, is their inherent Englishness? That's kind of how I wrote it. Um, of course, they're English, and yeah. all band, all English bands are English. But the inherent Englishness of this band, it's just something they like. They bring it out. I feel like whether it's whether it's an accent, whether it's uh, a a sort of dry sense of humor, going back to like Monty Python and and that sort of thing, uh, and all the great British humor um, that's on one hand really loony on on the subsurface is just really biting, uh, and often socially or politically, meads. Mm -hmm is part of that. So I, so I just think they're as English as English can be. Uh, and I love this about them. And you bring up Skyclad and, and Hawkwind who are also inherently English bands and just, they embrace it as well. I also think of cathedral sometimes when I listen to Meads um, because sure. there's, there's just like um, kind of no filter. Like they don't care if they're, if, if they want to be funky or, you know, there's that, uh, I was listening to Damascus Steel, uh, I guess the last time I listened to it, their third album. And I know you like that one and, and know it well. And I remember like texting you going, Oh, I love that. Oh yeah. In the, in, um, they do, <laughs> they do a cover of Lewis Armstrong's, uh, wonderful what a wonderful world. world. And he's at the end of it, he's like, Oh yeah. And, uh, it's, it's funny. It's very Lee Dorian. So there's just some humor in it as well, but, um, they're like, but there's this also a confidence in that too. Oh, um, oh, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, they're not, they're, yeah, they're, like, they're, they're brave. They're not afraid to be that. Yeah. You know? And I've also told you that Skyclad is a band that being a huge Sabbath fan, I wanted to like a lot more than I do. Although I, I have followed them and, and sang their praises quite a bit over the years, but they were just never, they never 
were the band I really wanted them to be or expected, which is my problem and not theirs. But I do find that I, I get more of what I wanted or expected from Skyclad in Meads because Meads will uh, have enough folky or neo-folky kind of stuff in their lyrics. And, and his cadence, Metatron's cadence is often pretty walkier-ish as well. Um, and he, and, and he's a really good wordsmith, although he's a lot more literal where walkier gets lost in puns almost too much for my taste. But anyway, I, I do think there are some, some parallels there, but they're kind of just these smart hippies with vision. The next thing that I wanted to bring out about them are their lyrics and their kind of general thematic orientation. Metatron is angry and his polemic is a damning one. And you just kind of have to dig through the haze of human history to understand why he's so angry. The horrors of organized religion, other human depravity, certainly genocide is a big issue or a topic of the lyrics. The way they present it is sometimes has sometimes gotten mistaken as right wing, and that couldn't be more wrong. There's a message of peace underneath all of this. In fact, if you go to their website, the Meads of Asphodel official website, I'm going to quote it, the homepage <laughs> makes very clear by this statement, what they're all about. Quote, experimental extreme metal band, the Meads of Asphodel, believe in all people's right to live in peace, free from the shackles of inflicted dogma and servitude. So there you go. There you go. Yeah, there, there's just nothing more to say about it. And I, this is something that I found really puzzling at first about them, a little uncomfortable at times. And I'm pretty unshakable because I don't have any religion. I don't believe in any God. So that stuff doesn't touch me, but some of the stuff that is about genocide, the way they present it, uh, you 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 kind of wonder, right? But but that statement says it all. And the further you dig into their lyrics and music, the more you get it. The next clip we're going to play is one called Maher Shalal Hashbaz. I'm sure I'm completely uh, slaughtering <laughs> that, but um, that was the son of a, the prophet Isaiah. The name is a mouthful, but it's full of meaning if you look it up. But um, this is a piece that ends Sonder Commando, which is a, basically a concept record about uh, the Holocaust. And it was recorded by Metatron himself as he was touring Auschwitz. Just various thoughts he had in his head while touring this place of total horror. Uh, he's kind of whispering into whatever phone or microphone he was he was using. The full name of the song is Send My Love to Maher Shalal Hashbaz. Four crematoria with five furnaces each, with three doors, four bodies in each, burning for 30 minutes. In total, 60 bodies burnt in 30 minutes, 120 in an hour, 2,880 a day, 86,000 corpses a month.
through the countless rows of barbed wire, the crematorious chimneys rising into the sky, the guards, the snapping dogs. There was no hope. Stood naked and sent to death. It's the feel-good episode of the summer. <laughs> yeah, that's it's powerful stuff. Yeah, it's pretty um, bleak. It's pretty bleak. No, and it just both by the means by which it was recorded, and also just the emotion in it. Uh, it it just feels very very personal. Yeah. Yeah. And Metatron, here's the thing. I'm not I'm not going to try to sell Metatron as a great vocalist. I think he's a great character, like the Walkiers, like the Lidorians. What I like about him, though, is he's just so committed to his cause and committed to this band and committed to exposing the absolute horrors where religion and politics meet. That's pretty much the basis right. of, of his of his rage. And mine too. So I think a lot of us are are probably uh, pretty ashamed of of ourselves as a human race when we think about it. And yeah, Meads is not certainly bashful about bringing that out. But yeah, Metatron's a really great character. Uh, so you know his his lyrics and themes and just his approach, as you said, uh, it's very effective. Before we move on to the next thing I love about this band, I want to talk about if we're talking about lyrics. Uh, some of the insane song title lengths of at the end <laughs> at, at the end yeah. of their at the end of their albums they've made yeah you know it they've made this tradition um ex- i think everyone except for running out of time doing nothing uh the other five have these last songs and they're and they're proper songs they're not really novelty songs but certainly the titles are novelty they're kind of insane here are two of them i'm going to read these out <laughs> A canticle for the lost amputees of Alia Capitolina, who have been trampled under the iron-shod hooves of salivating hell rams and impaled on the shimmering tusks of salvation within the abandoned tabernacle of a Bronze Age myth. And, <laughs> yeah, well, here's the second one. The Musselmans wander through the infernal whirling fires amongst silent shadows to be fed into the thirsting jaws of a godless death machine to cough up their souls to the Nazi Moloch who sits within a ring of smoking infant skulls. <laughs> Man. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. And if you, you know, if anybody knows Bal Sagoth, they'll, they'll know what we're talking about with the crazy long song title. <laughs> yeah. Well, and yeah, another, yeah, fairly English, English band. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Number three, I love their use of electronics, drum machines, unusual samples, unorthodox instrumentation and less organic sounds uh, because their core sound is a very organic one. In fact, it was, you know, I don't know if I mentioned that earlier, but like it was the thing that kind of maybe put me off was like how basementy it all sounded. Um, it just didn't feel sure. right to what I thought the, ep- you know, didn't meet, meet the epic level that I thought they were aiming for, but now I totally get it. To me, uh, the, the cool thing, like I have, as long as I've been listening to them, have found the same charm meets epic ambition in their music as i do manila road ah, a band that was oh, always yeah. sort of straight jacketed by their resources but managed to build these incredible worlds it's a great comparison and in fact i do remember feeling some manila road vibes when i first heard meads way back in the day again Ooh. it wasn't favorable for me and i love manila but um Man, yeah, now and right, I and I get them now the way I I always got Manila in terms of how they sounded. So 
I wouldn't right. want them any, any other way. But yeah, so when they use electronics, synths, whatever it is, they tend to really like be a, a neat foil to uh, whatever else they're doing organically with the main trio. I will say that I think their best recorded album and the one that I think they, they've they really kind of gone above and beyond all the rest of them uh, is Murder of Jesus the Jew, the, uh, the fourth album from 2010. That is a really quality sounding album like it sounds like they and it's the first one incidentally the first of two on candlelight records so that might be something as well yeah. uh, i also think yeah. running out of time doing nothing sounds perfect for what it is but I, I just feel like there's a power and a fullness to murder that you don't get on on the other records anyhow they've they've displayed this instrumental eclecticism for their entire career and i just want to kind of go through three samples the first two come from their first two albums respectively uh they both feature work by an entirely other entity called History of Guns, who appear as a guest artist for both of these tracks. And then the third snippet we're going to hear in this set features Mirai of Psy on the intro. Mm -hmm. And uh, here's another fantastic Meads of Asphodel song title, Boiled in Hell Broth and Grave Dust. So let's, uh, <laughs> so we're, we're, so we're going to run through uh, uh, Jezebel and the Philistines real quick. On graven images, I glide beyond the monstrous gates of pandemonium to face the baptized warriors of Yahweh and the scholar to plain of Esterlon. That'll be the second one. And then Boil in Hellbroth and Grave Dust will be the third.
Yeah, you even see a lot of range just over the course of these three little segments. And one thing that, that we heard there that you hear throughout the Meads catalog is a, a love of Middle Eastern music. Yeah. Um, I suspect that their interest in, you know, the Crusades and the, the horrors of the Crusades um, and our Christian um, occupation, colonialist sort of agenda maybe makes them, you know, also sympathetic to, you know, the the culture and the the music of the Middle East that the West tried to stamp out. That's a really great point. I've never gone down that rabbit hole with it. And I but I you're so dead on, man. That and that just makes me appreciate I don't know it. if I ever not. I just I don't know knowing you know, knowing their disdain for sure not only organized religion but also you know all the atrocities that have been committed in the yeah. name of organized religion i suspect it just makes them sympathetic yeah no i i, I think you're probably dead on i've never read an interview with metatron I've, I've stayed away because i'm just not ready yet to kind of know to know them this way i i, I get a little purist right. this way when i discover a band i kind of want to know the music first and then i'll you know i'm sure i'll dig into it sometime I know that I like Metatron. I know that I I feel like uh, I'd want to give him a big old hug for what he's done um, and the things he's trying to put across. Yeah. And yeah, then, 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 you know, then he'd tell me about all this Eastern music that he loves that I would be lost on me probably. But yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a great point. And also speaking of Mirai from Psy, that last snippet had Mirai on it. And, you, and if you're a Psy fan, you can hear his touch on that uh, for sure. And this leads us to number four. The thing that I like, uh, another thing I like about Meads is their guests. Every album pr practically has at least, my God, at least five, if not 15 guests. I mean, they have they have a lot of people yeah. that they bring in. And it's, and it's a really cool span of people. It's a lot of what I assume are locals to them. There's a guy named Will Banyard, who I only know through Meads. I, I don't know of anything else he's done but he's contributed violin and vocals to various of their albums. So we have Mariah of Psy. They've somehow formed uh, a union and a friendship, and that makes a ton of sense to me. Uh, we also get Dr. McCannibal of Psy on at least one or two of the albums. And just a handful of names that might ring a bell that have appeared on Mead's albums, A.C. Wild of Bulldozer, Vincent Crawley of Acheron, and Hugh Lloyd Langton and Alan Davy of Hawkwind. And here's where we got to stop a minute because I understand that Metatron is a massive Hawkwind fan. I mean, I would I would guess that they're his favorite band, but somehow they've also developed a friendship with these two guys that were in Hawkwind, Langton and Davy. And it's Davy, I believe, that's on most of the albums, and Langton does guest spots on most of the albums as well. It's fascinating. And this band has done, I think, at least three Hawkwind covers mm -hmm. in their discography. So they're just crazy for Hawkwind. Yeah, the Sword of the East um, comes to mind immediately. Well, yeah. And uh, we're going to actually listen to that, a couple songs from there. <laughs> Fantastic. I love the Hawkwind connection. I really do. And it's funny because if you look up Meads, if you're like Googling them and Wikipedia or Discogs or whatever, you'll see black metal. And, I, and that's going to be a point I'll address. In a, in a little bit but you'll also see space rock or whatever whatever other name is given and while they're clearly not a pure space rock band they have they they give their music enough moments of this kind of hawk windy 
trancey type thing that it kind of does work as one descriptor of this band. And, you know, so it's no wonder that Hawkwind is not only an influence, but that members, they're two legitimate Hawkwind members that are legitimate Meads members, basically. It's a fascinating thing to me. And then we have, uh, I don't know how you say his name, Host, Host of Taka, T-A-A-K-E. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know if it's Hurst or... Hurst. Yeah. How do you say his band name? I've never known how to say that. Taka. Taka. And he's a guest on The Murder of Jesus the Jew on a song called Jew Killer. Again, you look at that title on the surface, and it may seem shocking to some people, but we explained exactly where these guys' heads are at. So we're going to listen to a couple songs that feature some of these guests, Horst of Taka on Jew Killer, and we are going to listen to Sword of the East, since uh, Hunter guessed it and uh, predicted what I was going to play. That song originally appeared on Hawkwind's 1988 album, The Xenon Codex, which both Langdon and Dave were part of at the time. Other Hawkwind covers they've done, they've actually done four. Other covers are Utopia, Assassins of Allah, and Assault and Battery. So here we go.
Not because of the Hawkwind connection, but certainly I feel like Metatron can also be compared to Lemmy in the sense that like, okay, technically not a great vocalist, but a great vocalist in that he delivers this kind of gruff character and he's spitting out some pretty great lyrics. So um, I, I hear I hear some Lemmy in that. And uh, maybe it is because of the, the Hawkwind cadence that I, that I hear that a little more there. But have you ever heard Le- Lemmy in, in Metatron at all? Yes. And es- I mean, especially there. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is from a Hawkwind record long after Lemmy it's gone. Oh yeah, um, but yeah, um, yeah, totally, man. That's a great call. And also, if there's one thing that Hawkwind was, it was totally consistent. So even even like their '80s and '90s records, they sound like Hawkwind. You know, <laughs> you never, you well, never. I mean, have... they use kind of much like you know three chords, and they just somehow do really really awesome stuff with those three chords <laughs> absolutely man no absolutely the, the, i think the latest hawkwind record i own is space bandits and that's pretty good it's like early 90s i like it uh, yeah i think that's I don't know. from 90 actually yeah how far do you go uh, uh levitation okay so not I, even... I just i don't i just don't think i need anything past levitation okay if, if there was one i'd recommend to you and i don't know a whole ton a whole lot of them after levitation but i do think you'd like sonic attack quite a bit and it's one i'm sure you've heard tell of sonic attack's pretty great so number five meets vasvidel is not black metal what we've served up so far kind of skims the surface of their approach and as you can hear or i hope you hear it's not exactly black metal but yet they seem to be constantly referred to as black metal if you look them up like what genre are they placed in they're always placed in black metal Certainly it comes from their very, very beginnings when they were more black metal than, than they are now. Uh, but I don't think they've ever been pure black metal and people just need to stop that shit. I'm, I'm sick of it. Yeah, uh, yeah, they do. I mean, well, there are probably people who aren't listening because they think, oh, it's just black metal. Or black metal is it going to it expecting Horna and they're not going to get that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no they're, they're definitely not getting Horna. <laughs> But, but but yet yet okay i say that but but part of my point is that of course it runs in their veins and i'm going to play a thing called hourglass of ash from sounder commando that is quite black metal and as we heard on jew killer it's also very black metalish so it's it's there but i just need to make the point if i haven't already with the snippets that let's just stop calling them a black metal band um it's just one of many elements of meads of asphodel but this is hourglass of ash <laughs>
and even as it starts sounding very very black metal already they're throwing other things in there like the, <laughs> the guitar ends you know i mean like you said th this is a band that can in no way be pigeon really be pigeonholed as anything other than a uh, heavy metal band yeah um, an experimental very, yeah experimental when i yeah. and I th they they call themselves that on their website the when i did that quote about from their site trying to make the point of of their belief their basic belief they don't call themselves black metal so it's interesting i, I get it i get why certainly it's there in hourglass of ash but as you say they, they can't help it <laughs> they just go somewhere else as well yeah, right. you know it, it's fresh it, it sounds so refreshing to me and there's certainly god is do we have to make the point there's no other band like this there's just no other band that, that does this <laughs> no 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 I, I should certainly hope that that's apparent by now yeah um, um I think that, you know the, the fact that mirai um mirai like in sigh i don't think i've ever heard it so much as i'm hearing it tonight the sort of spiritual kinship between those two bands mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um yeah I mean, they don't sound like each other but like you know they're both just really you know brave experimental metal bands and i don't know yeah other than like hawkwind and i i suspect motorhead i don't know what uh metatron listens to but i would suspect jd tate the guitarist who writes most of the material is just a probably a listener on a very wide spectrum. Uh, it just, yeah. he has to be. And another great thing about Hourglass of Ash is uh, another guest is Rob Miller from Amoebics doing some of those heavier, crustier vocals in the background. And those halftime sections kind of sound like something from the first two Amoebics records. Yeah, he was um, on a rise in Monolith. Especially so. a rise, yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, that, that's an interesting thing, too. And, well, there's another inherently English band that do seem yep. to have some <laughs> some parallels to Meads. So, um, yeah. Number six is simply running out of time doing nothing, the sixth album. This one I got, I think, I don't remember in my delving. It was it, It's a blur at this point, but um, this was after, not long after Sondra Commando. So this is one of the first ones I heard. And this one, to this day now, with a lot of familiarity and lots of listens under my belt, this does sound a bit different to me, a bit like Meads stepping out. It's still completely and utterly Meads of Asphodel, don't get me wrong. But I but I think there's an orientation here that's different. I hope they follow it up, too. It's, it's was it 2019 or something? This is a phenomenal album. This could warrant an, an entire episode on its own. Obviously, we can't do that, but I do want to play uh, snippets from this album from two different songs. Blood Shaped Flakes of Snow will be the second one, and the first one will be part of the song Black is Black and White is White. This is, um, we'll catch that song after the two-minute mark where they break down into some really meditative acapella weirdness that I think is pretty genius.
like Blood Shaped Flakes almost sounds like a new band, completely different, but really just another dimension of this multi-tendril band. Black is Black and White is White. Um, I just love because of just the range that we see in in that one little or here rather in that one clip the acapella section that you mentioned yeah. and then that sort of grunting like troll-like vocalization yeah and i i swear i heard like some groovy like late 60s kind of psych rock stuff going on there too oh sure like yeah, yeah. yeah. i don't know why i heard i heard pretty things in there okay somehow yeah. Yeah. So. i i would not doubt that they're hip to that stuff and you know what's funny yeah. about Black is Black is that, like, as you say, it's just a snippet. Um, that's a that's a you know regular length song, and that's just the middle of it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they're a bit exhausting in, in terms of their genre hopping sometimes, but I I think they do it so well, but better than most. And I love the, the vocals on like Blood Shaped Flakes of Snow with Christina Padvana there. It reminds me of something, but I can't seem to identify it. Yeah, me too. I, I've had that sort of um, feeling about it as well. Uh, I, I suppose when when one of us catches it, we'll we'll text the other and and, and let each other know. Um, yeah, you know, and, and yeah, as you say, it's 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 Meads, but it's uh, it's a different Meads, and I love it. And I just really, really am hoping that they'll follow up. They're not known for being they're prolific, but you know, since two thousand one, they have six albums, so. They put out full links when they're ready. So and and apparently they're still active. So I, I really hope that we get something else from them along these lines, or you know, or at least taking this train of thought and, and expanding it. I think it's a phenomenal album. I love the album title, Running Out of Time Doing Nothing. That's <laughs> just that's so <laughs> so great. And I I love the cover artwork. It's this, it's this child uh naked in a in a tree, and below him are these like loon, not a loon, like a stilt, uh like a long you know long-legged pond bird and he's dropping he looks like he's ready to drop frogs into the mouth or something it's just it's just like killing time it's it, it and it's a it's a great depiction of the the album title it's it's very different for them i think yeah very much all this and no talk about the last song on the on the album which is called souvenir of death this is probably uh, if pressed it might be my favorite mead song i, I didn't play it for this episode because i just feel like it's one of those you have to hear in full uh, i would recommend all listeners to check it out i fervently recommend it uh please listen in full if you don't hear the genius on that uh you'll probably never hear the genius of this band that's about it seven you've probably gathered listener that this is a, a band of all about world building and continuity and aesthetics but you add to that their chain mail and their shields and their helmets like they don't have a picture without that stuff they are uh, except for in the Mill Hill sessions, which is like this rehearsal recording, uh, you see them kind of just in, in regular garb. Um, they are always shown in, in this chainmail and, and all this all this battle armor, and it's fantastic. And it's an image they haven't wavered from. It's a little bit like Skyclad meets Manowar meets Belsa Goth or something. It, it's really fantastic. I have no snippet <laughs> for that, but certainly I, I just think they have one of the better images <laughs> of any band. When you write to it like a comprehensive package with them the music the lyrics the i i think that you know kind of quirky ramshackle production adds a real charm to it totally everything yeah. everything is in the interest of the single effect of this band ramshackle such a great word dude <laughs> <laughs> 
So number eight that I love about this band, they're splits in their covers. They're prolific in this sense where they've done a lot of covers. We'll get to that in a second. Um, but they've done seven splits with other bands by my count. And that that's quite a bit. And on every one of these splits, or almost every one, I think, is exclusive material. So when you're an obsessive like me and you're really getting into a band, you're starting to like make sure that you have every single song in your possession. And um, this has been problematic because I only have two splits and I need five more, which is just ridiculous. But um, maybe by the end of the year, we'll, we'll see how things go financially uh, over here. P.O. Box 41193, Greensboro, North Carolina. <laughs> we do accept checks, traveler's checks, whatever you got. <laughs> traveler's traveler checks, yeah, sure. No, no, no. We don't spend your donation money on, on personal records. But anyway, um, so yeah, there's there's the that would be Yeah, that would be a donation made directly to Jeff. Yeah, it, you know it would. I'm not giving you shit, yeah. buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then they're covered. I just that you would uh, yeah. thank you thank you uh and then their covers besides the hawkwind ones we mentioned the four hawkwind covers they've done and we mentioned lewis armstrong's what a wonderful world they did hell bastards nazi which is uh very much an anti-nazi song if some of you out there are still clinging to this belief that they're anti-semitic and we're going to play a snippet from that in a second but they've covered these bands as well listen to this list <laughs> and if you didn't think this band was eclectic before charge gbh Sepultura's Refuse Resist, interesting choice. Uh, Discharge, Stiff Little Fingers, The Ruts, The Stranglers, Bulldozer, Doom, Conflict, Skeptics, The Kinks, Bathory. And here's an here's the other interesting choice: Bathory's Destroyer of Worlds, the title track from their rather ram, yeah the ra rather ramshackle Destroyer of Worlds album. They do the the title track, which is not a bad song. There's like three or four really good songs in that record, and then like the rest is trash. But there you go, they do Destroyer of Worlds. The Ramones, Chelsea, uh, Warfare, Candy Staten, Sham 69, uh, the German metal band Disaster, The Saints, and Jan Hammer. <laughs> yep. They do like their punk rock, though. They do like their punk rock. Yeah, one, one of the splits I do have is with this kind of like hopeless, uh, cradle of filthy sounding English band whose name I don't remember. But the Meads side of the split is called English Punk Black Metal. So there you go. They are naming themselves as black metal there, but with, with the punk. That band is called Old Corpse Road. Old Corpse Road, yes. I listened to the, you know, as I will, I, I you know, when I got that record, I, I've listened to the Mead side about three times, really enjoy it. But the the Old Corpse Road stuff, I listened to once, is like, I will never go down that road again. It, let me tell you what their genre description is on Metal Archives. Yeah. And tell me this doesn't tingling down below. Um, symphonic black metal with folk influences. Exactly. Yeah. I, they, I mean, they, yeah, they sound like Cradle of Filth meets Balsagoth, but just Pardon. not as not not as accomplished. It's not terrible. Like I, I don't want to pick on them, but it's just um, it's kind of typical of of what a lot of British bands were doing at that time with that type of material. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because they they weren't yeah. the only one trying to do that. Right. Yeah. This is a this is a track from Hellbastard's 1986 demo Ripper Crust that Meads sought to cover. Uh, it was originally titled Nazis Killed, and for whatever reason, I'm just saying that I'm the only half of radical research that owns Ripper Crust. You do? Oh yeah. So I didn't. We've never talked about. I have Hellbastard. a I have a final reissue of it. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm I, I much respect, my friend. <laughs> bought from the, the wonderful Grayface Records located in 
historic Starland in Savannah, Georgia. Okay, well, so you've heard Nazis killed, and this will be Meads as Nazi. I don't know why they changed the the name. Hell Bastard is is probably a band just that... to make it make it more ambiguous and more puzzling. Probably, yeah, more provocative, perhaps. The only yeah. thing I know about Hell Bastard is that I I probably got into them at the wrong time because when they came out with their earache record, Natural Order, I bought it. I did not like it at all. It was probably the first great. earache record I bought, then got rid of. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you'd buy everything it on looks, earache. All right. Yeah. It looks totally cool. I like the cover. I like but, the cover um, too. Yeah, not, not a good record. Well, not it was a different record. Hell they Bastard. Were much, very, yeah, very much. Well, that's interesting. I didn't know uh -huh. you were into the early stuff, and that's very cool. And that ties into this. Let's give it a listen. like hell bastard mixed with icon era paradise lost oh i like that yeah i, like that I a lot. would really like to track down all their covers now somehow yeah yeah i mean everything from jan hammer <laughs> yeah to, to gbh <laughs> and in between yeah for sure uh they do <laughs> i know <laughs> i'm just trying to imagine what dots would need to be connected to get from gbh to jan hammer i don't know <laughs> Well, look, I mean, you know, you and I have, okay, you, I don't have a Hellbastard record in my collection, but I have an Amoebix. So we have that stuff yeah. and then we, ha we have stuff with Jan Hammer on it. So um, yeah. all the, all that has to be connected is like weirdos like us who kind of like to run that gamut. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, so it's, it's not impossible, but we do feel like we find kindred spirits when something like this is happening. Absolutely. And every time that we do a playlist post on Facebook. <laughs> I think our faith is renewed every two weeks or however often we do it. Yeah. yeah well, we have to call out all the, uh, the freaks that, that do that with us because it's, it's, that's become, that's taken on a life of its own. It's been pretty fun. It's, um, it's been amazing. Yeah. Not to take us off track, but it's been really, really rewarding for you and I to see these other people forge relationships as a, you know, like you said, outside of radical research, just people that, you know, have a mutual love of great, interesting music. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's been a cool outgrowth and, and un unintentional. And it's nice to see that people spend as much time listening to music as we do, because uh, most all of my playlists, and I assume yours, I know how you listen. Most of that's very, very focused listening. You know, it's not just shit in the back. Oh, yeah. You know. Uh, no, I, no, no, no. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't listen. I wouldn't list anything that i didn't sit down and listen to number nine meads of asphodel the thing i like and we've touched on this and there's really no snippet to go with it just a couple points i want to make is the production ethic uh, whether by choice or by lack of means they always sounded too garagey for me uh, especially in the drum department you know it's very 
like this kind of uh, garagey, uh, bedroomy <laughs> kind of trap kitty kind of sound. But you know, they they Fair. we have to mention their drummers, and I'm not going to do it by name. I think they've had three, but they're very good, especially uh, the, the the last two guys that have been in there since uh, probably Damascus Steel. Um, but the thing that kept me from getting to them in the first place is one of the things that I love so much about it. Um, and like I said, they improve with Murder of Jesus the Jew. That's a fantastic sounding record and running out of time. Uh, Son or Commando, no slouch either. Um, it's really those first three. And that gets me to this other thing where one night I was listening and I realized that for me, if I'm comparing the first three means to the last three, because there is a five-year difference between Damascus Steel, the third album, and Murder, the fourth album, right? So there seems to be kind of a split there. And there's also an uptick in some ways in in, in sound and production. Um, and for me, the second three are much greater than the first three. And I love the first three al means albums. And I realized oh. that for me... If I was to do it, and I and it pains me to do it because they're a top three band for me, but if I was to do it with Black Sabbath, I would probably favor albums four, five, and six over one, two, and three. I love one, two, and three, especially Master of Reality. But for me, volume four, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, and Sabotage dominate that comparison. Um, so there was a there was an interesting the spectrum and the width of vision, I guess, is what I'm what I'm getting at. They're not necessarily better. But I like the spectrum. I like that we we have a wider spectrum of things. I like the width of the vision on these Meads albums. It's the same thing as with those Sabbath albums. So, and I you know it's I guess it's convenient that the two Meads records I know the best. I know one well from each of those eras, and yes, Sonder Commando is a a much more um, assured sounding band. Um, a band much more kind of in command of its uh, all of its ideas. Yeah. Um, Damascus Steel. I mean, it would be hard for me to call it a coherent record <laughs> in a lot of ways. You know how I feel about I, you know, it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I yeah. I, I do know what you mean. It. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I love that about it. But then you get something like Sonder Commando that just like really, really gels. Uh, yeah, in a, in a meaningful way. Yeah, and then like Murder of Jesus the Jew and and Running Out of Time, Doing Nothing are my two favorites. So that so there's a there's a a weight going toward that those last three. Damascus is funny because um, those first two albums are so eclectic and great, but Damascus is this the third thing, and I love it. I just find it, um, and it's clicked with me. I think that last listen, you you know, I told you, man, this has really clicked with me. Yeah. It's still an issue though of sequencing. I'm like, where <laughs> like. What is this? It's like a collection of songs. It's, it doesn't totally, right. it's not wrapped up yeah. nicely in a bow as an album. Like it, it sort of just is a collection of what they had at the time. And it's pretty great. And what's interesting about that album, and this is this is something that I found out since I put this uh, these snippets together in this show, they have a long EP that basically serves the same function as an album. It's called In the Name of God, Welcome to Planet Genocide. I kind of overlooked that in their discography when I was looking at stuff to buy on metal archives. I just didn't know what it was. It's almost a full length and it is great. And it's got a song called the man who killed for God, which is fantastic. One, probably one of their best songs. And I'm just finding out about this. And it, it's basically the follow-up to Damascus steel in the sense of like, it's in the same period in the same era. And it touches on the topics of genocide that Damascus steel tried to get out there. 
that record's on the way from Germany right now. Nice. <laughs> Wait, you know, <laughs> I gave it a listen on title and I was like, oh shit, gotta have that. But let's get back to production. I wanted to play two songs from Murder of Jesus the Jew, uh, a snippet from Mike's Psychotic Sand Deity and Addicted to God, which uh, should reflect the quality of this album and uh, the, the quality of the sound as well. Jew, no son, no, it's bad for you. 
So I have two very obvious points to make in Psychotic Sandity, that absolutely gorgeous second half with the guitar solo. Yep. Reminded me almost of like Division Bell era Pink Floyd. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Ethereal as hell. <laughs> yes. Ethere yes. Ethereal as hell. Um, <laughs> then, you know, that Python-esque theatrical aspect of the band that we talked about at the beginning yeah. of the show yeah. that we hear you know, in, you know, fully fleshed out and uh, addicted. But I, I was also thinking about, um, you know, another very English English band, Cardiacs. I could see oh. like, some kind of like zany vocal, you know, full band thing. I don't know. Dude, and, and, you know, I, I'm with you there. Uh, I've never thought of that, but uh, totally true. And think about all the bands we've referenced while as we're listening. <laughs> like it's it's <laughs> it, 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 it's quite the span. <laughs> um, and it brings me, yeah. And and I brought those two out from that album because it's along with uh, running out of time. It's my favorite Meads album. Those two, and I think those are just extraordinary pieces. And um, the thing that this leads me to is the tenth point, which is I feel like Meads should have been a Peaceville Records band, like the Peaceville mm -hmm. band. It's all there. Yeah. It's all, all there. Like the hardcore punk crust of like early Peaceville. I mean, that's well documented. Look it up. Uh, the basement dwelling death metal of Autopsy, the black metal that Peaceville brought to the world with Dark Throne, and certainly the epic sort of ambitious approach of My Dying Bride, Paris Lost, Anathema. I feel like Meads encompasses all of that in their own way, don't they? So true. That's so true. That's a great point. Yeah, they would have. They would be like sort of the, um, like the aggregate, Peaceville band, like the P the Peaceville band to represent all other Peaceville bands. Kinda. It just struck me one time when I was listening to them. You know, one of the many times in the last seven or eight months, and I thought, man, this is this. They just encompass everything that I think about when I think of Peaceville and everything under that umbrella that that means. So I think what we'll do is we'll strategize this because there's probably no chance that Peaceville as it exists now will will sign Meads. Um, so what we'll do is we'll start Radical Research Records. We've threatened this before. And eventually one of our first, well, one of our first releases will be something by Meads. I'll license it. Who knows what it is? And instead of the Radical Research logo, we'll just slap a huge Peaceville logo on it. Just fucking, you know, yeah. risk, risk I mean, we lawsuit. Get, yeah. We won't get in trouble for that. No, and that'll yeah, no, that, we won't. That was, no, that <laughs> and, and that'll satisfy the lust uh, to make this band a peaceful. Did we band. ever, um, did we ever tell our listeners that we very briefly talked about getting peaceful buddy tattoos? No, but we, we have had that conversation. That that did happen once. Uh, I, and if I ever get a tattoo, um, not you don't have any tattoos, do you? I don't. But if I did get one, yeah, I often thought about that, that you know, everybody knows the Peaceville logo. I thought about getting that on like a forearm. It just, because uh, it just, it, it it encompasses a lot of things I love so very, very deeply. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So, so if, if you get one and I get one and we, we kind of got the hankering to get it around the same time, then uh, we'll, we'll get buddy tattoos. Oh, well, I mean, we'll have to do that together. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. You heard it here first. And that's Meads of Asphodel. We're going to play one more song, but before we do, we want to talk about episode 99. This is going to be a very special and completely different sort of episode. When Hunter and I met, it was our first experience meeting another person with which we shared so many music intersections. I know that we knew people that we had many, many 
uh, parallels with. But when Hunter and I met, and and I can only speak for myself, Hunter, but I think you agree that like, I mean, listen to this, from No Means No to Gentle Giant to Beherit to Nude Swirl to Lost Horizon, I did make a list, to Realm, to Radiohead, to Mind Over 4, to Pearl Jam, to Nuclear Death. Like we loved all these bands. And I've never met somebody that liked all those bands and others that kept popping up like, oh, you're into that, you know. So through radical research, we've met others with whom we share like so many different parallels and intersections. So for episode 99, we're going to bring on two folks who we call friends who we met through music and have gotten to know a lot better through this podcast or just through our love of music. We've never, ever had a guest on this program. This is going to be a first. We will play some snippets. It'll just kind of be dependent on what we all talk about. It'll be kind of a roundtable. Everybody's going to bring some discussion to it. We don't want to turn into one of these podcasts that have like six guys on on, on YouTube, on video, every episode. That's not us. But we wanted to bring on a couple freaks. And we could have brought on anybody. We could have brought in um, Paul Stolp. We could have brought in um, Forrest Pitts. We could have brought in uh, Philip Trummer. We could have brought in just so many, many of these great freaks that follow our show. So we're going to bring on these estimable gentlemen known as Brian Grabenz and Thomas Clark. We're going to discuss an array of topics and uh, we'll see what happens. So please join us for that. I can't wait. I don't know about you, Hunter. It's going to be kind of different for us. Well, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to let the music do the talking on that one. <laughs> you got it in. <laughs> you, you, you thought you were getting out of it didn't you yeah no i, I did I was, I was trying to like put that yeah. one behind us i, I don't think it's ever going to happen uh, so let's let the music do the talking as we go out uh, we're going to leave with a snippet from the band's very first album the excommunication of christ where we haven't touched on that too much this episode also a great album this is a bit from weeping tears of angel light we hope somebody out there has been turned on to this very peculiar and addictive band we're grateful for this band. We want to thank Metatron and J.D. Tate, who have really been the main engine of this absolutely fascinating band. We await album number seven. This is Weeping Tears of Angel Light. Weeping Tears of Angel Light. 